Macro Podcast number 292 for March 14th, 2012. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. As you've undoubtedly heard, this Friday is new iPad day, the day the first pre-orders will be delivered, and those willing to slog through the lines can purchase a new iPad at an Apple store in the U.S. It just so happens that our own Jason Snell has had his hands on a new iPad for nearly a week. We'll talk to him now about his experience with it. What we should do is probably explore some of your impressions that you formed over the last week. So, first of all, which model do you have? I have the... Oh, you know, I don't know the storage on. I think it maybe is the is the big one, the sixty four gig. Uh, but it's a it's a uh, AT and T cellular version in white. Um, okay, I think it's the sixty four. Apple usually loads loads up with the most expensive possible model for the reviewers to try because that's what they do. Right. So, well, let's start with the physical appearance. If I were to put my iPad two down next to it, as I have attempted in the past, <laughs> will I be able to tell the difference between my iPad and this one? Um, that's a good question. Is the screen on? If the screen is off, uh, yeah, screen's off. I think it would. You would have to be an expert iPad spotter to tell the difference. They are. Um, Almost indistinguishable from one another. I would say the only thing that really that I could tell that distinguishes them is that the um, the inside of the dock connector. How crazy is this? The inside of the little dock connector port on the iPad 2 is black, I think, and it's silver on this one. And that's it. I mean, literally, the camera hole is a little bit bigger. If you're good at sizing up the camera holes, you might be able to spy whether it's a... Uh, a third-generation iPad or an iPad 2. But basically, they're identical. Uh, this one's a little bit heavier. Um, I noticed when I first picked it up that it felt slightly denser. But mm-hmm. in practice, day-to-day, you know, it's essentially the same weight. And it's a little bit thicker, a fraction of a millimeter. But uh, that one, I can't even tell. That one is is literally imperceptible to me. The weight is slightly perceptible, although I don't think it matters. The thickness, not at all. So it's basically, from physical appearance on that score, um, pretty much identical to the iPad 2. Okay, now what about speed? Because uh, I know there are new processors in here, and uh, not only a core processor, but a graphics processor. And I think a lot of people are expecting big things in regard to performance. So are people going to pick this up and go, wow, this is so much faster than any iPad I've used? It depends on what you're doing. I mean, one, it is a far more powerful device than the iPad 2, but it has to drive four times as many pixels on its screen at all times, which is why the, um, we have this A5X processor and, uh, that Apple developed, and the, the iPad 2 has the A5 and, mm-hmm. and and the question is what the X factor is, and the X factor is really graphics performance. It's still a dual core, one gigahertz A5 in many ways. You know, in raw sort of uh, traditional processing power tests. It's basically just as fast as the iPad 2, um, but the graphics stuff is dramatically boosted, um, and that's in large part because it's driving this screen that's actually bigger than a than a, a 1080p HDTV. It's a huge screen. And so um, most of what uh, the performance stuff that's been boosted on this device is is basically there to drive that new screen. So in many cases, it will seem sort of the same speed as the iPad 2. The difference there is it's the same speed moving three t- or four times as many pixels around on the screen. And my guess is that in... 
um, in games you'll see better video performance. Although what will happen is uh, a game on both that's uh, of a certain quality would would be much smoother on this one. Probably it's it's standard kind of game stuff that is out there today. It's basically can can draw as fast as the screen can draw 60 frames per second. Um, mm-hmm. But what will happen is that people will come out with, you know, retina level display, 1080 and higher games, and those will be harder to render. And then, you know, it's going to need to put that horsepower to use. But, you know, it's not one of those things where you start using it and you're like, whoa, this is so much faster at whatever. I mean, it's fast, but a lot of the new speed is really all about graphics. Okay. So, does this retina display look shockingly different? So you you said that if we had them side by side and not turned off, I couldn't tell the difference. But if we turn them on and I just glance down, would I go, whoa, that one looks so much better than the other? Yeah, I think you would. I mean, I, it's not quite as radical for some reason as the um, the iPhone 3GS to the iPhone 4, that first look at the retina display. And I suspect part of that is just that it's not our first retina display this time. And we've seen the retina on the iPhone 4 and 4S, so it's not as surprising to not see dots on a screen. And mm-hmm. I suspect part of it is that the iPad 2 is a, you know, it's a good screen. It's an, The iPad screen in general has always been a bright, um, good-looking screen. That said, you can totally tell the difference. Um, you can't see the dots on this new screen. It is beautiful. The detail, the HD video playback, I mean, it is every it, every bit of detail that you'd get on a Blu-ray, essentially, is on this little device in your lap. It's kind of amazing. And then pictures the same way. I actually think it shows off pictures and video better because text, the text is super crisp like it was printed but uh, you can see that on the iPhone 4. A big photo or a big movie is something that uh, you don't really see on the iPhone 4's retina display, and that, that really uh, is shown off by, uh, by the iPad. I often use the, um, my iPad 2 for reading, and I find after about an hour, I get a little tired, and I can start to see some of the pixelation and, and some of the rough edges. Is that a different experience with the iPad or the new iPad? Well, you're, you're not going to see the rough edges. That much is certain. Now, there's still the question of backlighting. Does backlighting, mm-hmm. you know, does the eye get tired staring at backlighting after a while? I mean, I, I'm staring at a backlit display all day, right, on my monitor. Um, but some people want to change a pace or they think that that glare gets to them. Um, you know, although you can do things like turn it into white on black and, and read that way and crank down the brightness. It, it's... Um, so there, different people are going to react differently to a backlit display mm-hmm. versus something like an e-ink display that you'd find on a Kindle. But um, in terms of the clarity of the text, you know, in the apps that are – and there are a few that don't do this yet. I'm sure they'll be updated. But most apps just sort of pick it up. That The text, even if their graphics need to be updated to be higher resolution, the text just – you use the standard text controls on iOS. It just comes with. And they – like Safari and Mail and iBooks, they look beautiful. And you don't see – you may not even notice the jagginess now because we're so used to seeing pixels in everything mm-hmm. we do. But just like on the iPhone 4, it's gone. And it's not just the, the black, but it's the, the grays around the edges that smooth everything out that are, are rendered so much more clearly in a retina display than, than a standard display is capable of. So, you know, will your eyes be tired after an hour? I don't know. If, if the jagginess is what does it, then, uh, then I would say no. If it's the backlighting and stuff like that, then it's, yeah, I mean, it's still a backlit display. Right, right. Now, in terms of video, um, should people expect a different experience either using 
AirPlay or connecting their iPad to a television versus the uh, previous iPad? Well, AirPlay, well, let's see. So if you, there are a bunch of different video things going on here. If you connect via HDMI, this thing Mm -hmm. will output at 1080p, which the old iPad would only do 720p. Right. If you use AirPlay mirroring to an Apple TV, whether it's the new model, which I also got to try out, that does 1080p, or the old one that just does 720 it doesn't matter. AirPlay mirroring of your screen is 720p stream. That's just what it is. If right. you play back a movie via AirPlay, a 1080 movie, um, from this device to a 1080-capable Apple TV, that will be a 1080 signal. So if all the devices that, that are out there and your original media that you're playing are all 1080, it will do 1080 for playback, not for mirroring, but for playback. Or if you connect that cable, it'll do 1080. Um, and if you, uh, mirroring will be at 1082 if it's via cable. Um, Got it. And it's funny because they actually have to scale down the interface to show it on a 1080p screen because it's bigger than a 1080p screen. They actually have to reduce... Uh, reduce it to to fit it in an HDTV because the screen is higher resolution than any HDTV. It's kind of mind-blowing. Okay, so given that you do have the new Apple TV, how does 1080p look on there from an iPad? It's, well, I mean, I I tried it with the iPad and I tried it with some streaming content from iTunes that's available on 1080p. It's hard. I did not get two TVs and calibrate them and set them side by side. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Does it look markedly better than 720? I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I'm, I'm probably not comfortable judging that. It looked great. I, I, I will say that. It looked great. It might be better than the 720 uh, mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it, seven, the argument's always been 720 versus 1080, um, that most people might not be able to tell the difference, especially on a smaller screen. Um, but at the same time, other people say 720 has always been a compromise and that ultimately you want more lines of resolution and 1080 is way more resolution than 720. So I think what Apple's saying is that technology is moving along to the point where we can have more resolution and that's good. So why don't we? Um, but I can say that they look, it looks great. All the HD stuff looks great. And I, I, I didn't look at it and get disappointed that I thought the quality was poor. I actually thought the quality was really um, really nice, and I would imagine for most people they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that and Blu-ray quality, which is, I think, a big deal for Apple because it's the last – I don't want to say that it's the nail in the coffin, but it, it, it's Apple now can just say, look, we have the same quality as Blu-ray, you know, and you can stream it. And even if that's not entirely true because the bit rates of Blu-ray on a disc are going to be way higher than, you know, they're going to be less compressed than the stuff you mm-hmm. get over the Internet, I'm not sure if regular people are going to care. Yeah, and I'm I'm one of those. I know the, the video files are going to be writing in angrily, you know. But honestly, I could look at 720p content out of the Apple TV or my iPad, and I think it looks fine. It's perfectly wonderful. I mean, I guess it's great to have 1080p, but again, when I throw a Blu-ray in, I don't. I'm not completely blown away oh, by it. It's totally different than well. I mean, that, right? This is why we say we don't want to anger the video files. So this is why we we don't say it looks the same. Because it, it probably doesn't. We say most people won't notice the difference. And I think that's true. I think the, the most people implies that there are video files, just like with audio files and high bit rate yeah. music. They, I'm sure there are people who have spider sense and can tell the difference in quality. But I think most people can't. I mean, most people can tell the difference 
Actually, you can argue that some people didn't even have bought HDTVs and had them hooked up to standard definition, and they didn't know, right, which right. baffles me because, in my mind, that's clear. When you yeah. go from SD to HD, once you go to HD, SD looks terrible, and you never want to go back. Uh, 720, uh, somebody in our forums the other week said 720p is not really HD. 1080 is really HD. Well, it's like, sorry, 720p is HD. H- right. HD is is that stuff up there. 1080 might be better, but I think most people, the, the the big change is just going to HD. And the fact is that the old iPads couldn't do full HD. They couldn't even show a full 720 uh, picture. They could show, they could play a 720 file, and they could play it mm-hmm. back to a TV in 720p. But if it was a widescreen, a 16 by 9 movie, when most of them are that or wider, it actually would have to shrink it down in order to fit it width-wise. You could double tap right. on it and see the height, but then it cuts off the sides. So, so mm-hmm. previous iPads could not even display a full, truly HD quality movie, and this one does. So that is actually kind of a big deal, and I do think people will notice that. But the 720 versus 1080 thing... Yeah, you're right. Some some people will be very happy about it. Other people will grouse about it, saying it's too compressed. And most people will be like, well, that looks good. All right. And they'll sit down and watch a movie. Right. Now, let's talk about the camera and the, the um, new iPad. Because the last one was terrible, pretty poor. Terrible. Yeah. It was made for made for 720p video, basically. It's all – and it wasn't even that good at that in low light. But that was what – it was like a video camera part. It was – as a digital camera, it was terrible. Yeah, well, and I think it was a spec, mostly. You know, people saying, we really, really need this, and so... Check. Okay, here. Yeah, got it. So how is the quality compared to the to the last iPad? Not only just general, but low light and and other uh, conditions like that. So I got to... I took a bunch of sample pictures and compared them to our labs, um, filed away samples from other mobile devices. Um, And... Uh, short version of it is it is uh, it is a very good mobile device camera, and it is probably the best tablet camera. Um, and there, are, I think the Asus Transformer Prime also has a pretty good camera for stills, although its video performance is not as good as this one. This one's good in video. It's good at low light in video. Sort of surprisingly, its audio when it's recording video is actually pretty good. Um, it's still capability. It's a five megapixel camera, so it's not as good as the iPhone 4S camera, but it's a very similar camera, if not the same part, to the iPhone 4 camera, mm-hmm. which was good. That iPhone 4 yeah. was the first really good iPhone camera. So I'd say it's really good. I think it's not ever going to – I mean, it's not top of the line. The iPhone 4S is better, um, and there's probably some other mobile devices that have better cameras, but it's it's on the upper end. Uh, among tablets, it's probably without peer at this point. And um, really, you know, I, I don't know that many people who tote their iPad around and view it as the their primary camera. But if you do need to take a picture and the iPad's in your hand, you can do it and it will be decent. And uh, and if you shoot video, it, it shoots 1080p video and your video will be decent too. It'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be good. And uh, I think, I think that's good. I, I, whether people use it a lot or not, I'm kind of skeptical about how often people will use it, but knowing it's there and that it's good and having it just, you know, the iPad 2 camera always felt a little weird because it was this really carefully designed product in so many ways, a very high quality product. And then that camera did a, did a bad job and mm-hmm. and it was jarring. It doesn't fit in with what Apple is supposed to sort of be about in terms of the quality of their par- of their product. And that's not true. This is a, this is an appropriately good camera for a good product and uh 
and uh, I should say the front camera, the FaceTime camera is still the same. The, the Apple seems to think, you know, video chat doesn't need to be a particularly high quality right now because of bandwidth and compression issues. Mm-hmm. I suspect at some point that will turn around too and we'll want higher quality video on the front side. But for now, it's uh, it's still the sort of like a 640 by 480, really just sort of a talking head camera for video chat. Right. Well, given the, uh, the fact that you can shoot 1080p video out of the back camera, is that something people should take into account when deciding which model to get? Is 16 gigabytes going to be enough? 16 doesn't go as far as it used to. Um, I used to say most people should just get a 16 because it's cheaper and they don't need the space. If you start loading in HD movies, you're going to run out of space really fast, HD movies or TV shows. And if you take a lot of video, you're going to run out of space really fast. And uh, your apps are going to get bigger, too, because all the apps are going to have to be updated with these retina resources that are four times the pixels. So mm-hmm. um, I still think for people who don't load on video and don't shoot a lot of video with their iPad, that 16 is fine. I think you can get away with it. But if you are a video person, if you anticipate taking trips and loading on four or five movies, stuff like that, you are going to have trouble with um, with the 16 on this because the HD, HD video takes up a whole lot of space, whether you're shooting it or you're playing it back. So, you know, that it's $100 to go up to 32. Um, and, you know, it makes more sense than it ever used to. If you're somebody who always went for the 16, it's worth asking the question just in case. Um, I bought I bought uh, my wife a, a, a 16 because she never watches movies on her iPad. She uses it for web and email and stuff like that, and she doesn't need that that kind of space. But you know, some people who traditionally bought a 16 uh, gig model, I think it's worth considering going up because the the HD files are are huge. Yeah. Well, let's talk connectivity. Uh, this iPad supports LTE. So were you able to get onto an LTE network? I was. And if so, okay, well, what did you find? Um, well, it says LTE, which is funny because there was this uh, software update that Apple made that that started to call certain parts of uh, AT&T's, faster parts of AT&T's network that are, are sort of 3G+. Plus. Uh, AT&T cl- calls them 4G, and now the iPhone and the iPad call them 4G too, which is sort of cheating. Mm-hmm. So I did actually get in a situation where I was on LTE, and then I went to 4G, and then I went to 3G, which was kind of funny because um, <laughs> that's really confusing. Um, but LTE, when it says LTE in the, in the, in the uh, menu bar, you're on the long-term evolution 4G network by Verizon or AT&T. I had an AT&T one because... I don't get Verizon at my house, actually, and it would have been harder to test. Um, it turns out I don't get AT&T LTE in my house either. Um, but here at the office we do, and throughout San Francisco I was able to see it. And you know what? When they say that it's as fast as Wi-Fi, um, I found that to be basically the, the case. That um, when I dropped off, I ran a bunch of speed tests on our office network, which, you know, who knows? It may be a slow network. It may – Wi-Fi speed depends on lots of factors. But on our office mm-hmm. network that we use every day, um, it was roughly as fast. I, I dropped off of it, switched to LTE, ran the speed test again, and they were slightly slower but not very much. And I would say twice as fast as the fastest 3G connection or 4G, whatever you want to call it, um, fast GSM network I could get on AT&T's network. Um, and that was actually at home I got that, where, where it was about 7 megabits per second uh, versus 14 for the, uh, for the LTE. 
And mm-hmm. in the city here, which is San Francisco traditionally has bad AT&T service, I, could get, I got sort of half of that, <laughs> half of what I got at home on the AT&T 3G. So um, your mileage may vary. Traditionally, AT&T's coverage has, is worse, but its 3G speeds are faster. Um, so if you're a Verizon user um, who hasn't used Verizon free, 3G, the boost will actually be even larger, or Verizon LTE, because Verizon's mm-hmm. 3G is slower than AT&T's 3G. So, uh, you know, lo- long way of saying LTE is there. It works. If you're in a market with LTE, and I think it's about 300 cities in Verizon and about 30 markets for AT&T, um, it's like Wi-Fi speeds, which means you can download data faster and then run out of the data you paid for and have to pay more for <laughs> right, more data. More but if you use the same amount and you're just using it faster, uh, you know you, that that web page is downloading faster. It's pretty great. It really is. Um, it really is kind of amazing. And and then you throw in that there's this personal hotspot feature that now um, sort of you know eliminates the need to buy separate hardware in order to get like sort of an internet sharing device for for all your mobile devices that use the cell network cuz the iPad is that now but that's only support on Verizon currently yeah right? Verizon's Verizon supports it and they don't even charge you extra for it they just you know you pay for your data and if you want to share your iPad's connection with other devices just you pay for the data um, AT&T, meanwhile, has said nothing about supporting this feature. And if we look back, if you remember back when I think it was iOS 3 came out and tethering was supported, tethering, it right. took a year for AT&T to support it in the U.S., a year. So yeah. I got to say, if, if, if an iPad with uh, 4G and personal hotspot excites you, um, don't count on AT&T. I think the Verizon um, version of the iPad is a, is a superior one there. I, I should mention that there are two versions of this. Unfortunately, the frequencies that AT&T and Verizon uses are different. And so there are two different Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi plus 4G models, Wi-Fi plus LTE, I guess, models of iPad. There's a Verizon version and there's a, an AT&T version. With the iPhone 4S, Apple kind of finally got it back together. There was one piece of hardware that could talk to all the networks. But mm-hmm. LTE just isn't there yet. There isn't one chip that speaks to all. So you have to take your pick of Verizon or or uh, or AT and T, they both fall back to three G networks. So you know they're otherwise the same, but um, but LTE you've got to take your pick. So I'd pick Verizon if you care about personal hotspot because I don't think we can trust AT and T. Right. So what about uh, accessories that currently work with the iPad too? Should there be any problem moving to this new iPad? As far as I can tell, there's no difference. I mean, and this goes to the the product seeming the same. I tried a few cases for the iPad two actually, and um, the iPad third generation fit just fine. I imagine that if it's a case that's particularly tight and form-fitted that you might have a problem, but um, most cases I think will be pretty pretty forgiving. The smart covers swap without any, any trouble because it really is a fraction of a millimeter thicker. So uh, essentially this is the same product with some new insides, you know, better camera, prettier screen, faster networking, but the shape of it is basically the same. So all of those accessories, I think, will just work. Um, and if you've got a that, that HDMI adapter, you know, it will work and it will output 1080 now instead of 720. Mm-hmm. So some people could consider this to be an incremental upgrade and see it as an opportunity for other tablet makers to catch up and perhaps jump ahead of Apple. So do you 
think this does anything for Apple's edge in the tablet market, or do they just so clearly own this market they don't have it, to worry about it's it? It's amazing how many people talk about incremental and say that it's a bad thing. Like, Apple's entire game is about incremental. Occasionally, there'll be a brand new product, but so much of what Apple does is you get the product out there, and then every year you just make it better, and you make it better, and you just keep on kind of cranking away and making it better. And this is that. This is the iPad that you know and love, but parts of it are better, just like last time. Parts of it were better. Apple's already got a lead in the tablet space. Nobody's really figured out how to get how to catch them. This pushes it ahead. It's the first HD quality screen uh, to ship on a tablet. There's been another one announced, but it's not shipping yet. So we've got we've got this display that nobody else has. The software is not even close. Like you know, Android tablet software is a uh, it's a disaster area, and anybody who covers Android tablets will 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 tell you that that you know Google doesn't seem to get why people wouldn't just want to take a phone app and scale it up to the to the size of a 10 inch tablet, which is ridiculous. But Google kind of doesn't seem to get it. So you know, I think. I think it is incremental in some ways, but that's that's Apple's game. Is Apple just keeps on uh, moving the ball forward, keeps on accelerating. I think they're accelerating away from the competition, um, and then meanwhile they've taken the iPad two and kept it in the product line for three ninety nine. So now it's cheaper to buy into the iPad than it even was before. And you know, I think the game Apple's playing is is a game that's not even about upgrades so much as it is about new people who've never bought an iPad mm-hmm. before buying this. And I would wager that more new iPad users will will buy this product over its life than people upgrading from older iPads because the market is growing so quickly. So, so yeah, I you know, is there an opportunity in the tablet market? I, I suppose, but there's been an opportunity for two years now. And the the closest we've come is the Kindle Fire, and and maybe the Nook Color. And I would argue that those are almost more e-readers that have some tablet features than real tablets. Mm-hmm. There, I've got a Kindle Fire, and you know it's not a bad e-reader, but it's you know not not really good as a tablet as compared to the iPad. It's just it's not very good. Um, so I don't know. I feel like Apple is playing a different game from almost anybody else. And rather than you know rather than shake up the iPad and replace it with something totally different. The iPad's working right now. It's working really well. And all they want to do is turn up the volume because that that just continues their momentum. And it's, you know, it's as a result, this is not some weird new iPad. Everybody needs to throw away their old iPads. The old iPads are still great, but this one's better. And so if you're somebody who's never bought an iPad before and you kind of walk into an Apple store and say, I'm finally thinking about getting an iPad, you'll see this and you'll be like, oh, wow, it looks great. And that's sort of Apple's whole point, I think. Right. So with this iPad, are we any closer to knowing exactly what an iPad is good for? Or is it still kind of the situation where you give somebody an iPad and they figure it out? I think I think it doesn't change the question of what uh, people use iPads for at all. Because it really is the same, you know, other than that it's got higher, I mean, it's got higher quality screen. And for some people that might be more important. It's got this Bluetooth 4.0 that... It sounds like artists are going to be able to have like Bluetooth pens that do pressure sensitivity, so it might become a better kind of sketch pad than it's been before. But for the most part, it's the same old story, and people are finding all sorts of different ways to use the iPad. And Apple comes out with some apps that try to encourage people to do certain things, the iLife and iWork apps that are out there now. But, um, you know, the iPad has been successful, I think, because 
lots of different people have found lots of different ways to integrate it into their lives, whether it's at home or at work or both. And I'm not sure this really changes that conversation. It makes for a better product, but uh, it's still the iPad and it still runs those same apps. And it's still, you know, if you if you weren't convinced that a uh, uh, something that isn't a laptop could work, this won't convince you otherwise. It's still it's the same argument. It's a better product making mm-hmm. the same argument. Right. Um, anything on this iPad that you went, huh, not so sure I like this, huh. or I wish something had been improved from the last model? Oh, that's a good question. It, it really isn't – I mean, it really isn't that different. The The biggest problem with the last model was the camera, and they, yeah. and, and, and they did that. I guess, you know – I you know I didn't actually try this. I assume that you can't do a FaceTime conversation over LTE, um, and I I wish the no FaceTime unless you're on Wi-Fi restriction was gone because we mm-hmm. we own our data plans and if if the quality is degraded a little but it's still decent, I'm paying for the data. Let me do what I want to do. And on LTE certainly has the capability of doing uh, FaceTime. So I wonder if it works. It probably doesn't, but I should I should give that a try. You know that that was one question that I had. Um, uh, charges the battery. Uh, it's a bigger battery, even though the battery life is the same. It, it uses more power, so it's got a bigger battery inside. That's why it weighs more. Um, and something that Apple doesn't talk about is it will take more, longer to charge it once you run. Mm-hmm. Once it runs out, it's got to fill it back up, and it's not like it takes twice as long as it did. But it does take a little bit longer. But you know, I don't know. I um, in general. I, I feel about it very much like I did about the iPad 2. It's got these additional features, but there's nothing there's nothing in the iPad that I think I would really that I would really hammer on and say I wish they had I wish they had done it differently. It it's um you know, it's it's a really good product and its success is not a surprise. Yeah, and I think so much of it has to do with the iOS anyway, because that's where we right. really see these startling new features. Right, and there should be, you know, iOS, there are lots of things that Apple could improve in iOS. But on the hardware side, I mean, Apple Apple kind of got it right with that first iPad and is mm-hmm. just, and then they made it a little lighter and thinner, and now they've increased the screen, and they're just, you know, again, they're iterating as they go. But I, I, they didn't have to take a second shot at that first iPad. The first iPad was right. one of the more impressive pieces of hardware I've ever gotten from apple it just was i would just i it looked good it felt good it felt solid and they've just kind of kept going in that direction so so yes i think that there needs to be more innovation on the uh on the uh the software side that that is definitely true um but on the hardware side i don't know it's it's good it's it's a good product that bottom line it's just a very nice piece of hardware Good. Well, I was going to ask you for your bottom line assessment, and I think you've just given it to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing would be, you know, people ask, should I upgrade if I'm using an iPad right. 2? And, you know, I, I my answer is the same as with the 4, iPhone 4 to the 4S, which is, you know, your iPad 2 is still perfectly good and perfectly fast. And, yeah, if you just can't live without the retina display or the camera, then you should upgrade. But I think most iPad 2 users will be pretty happy with the iPad 2 for another year at least. Um, original iPad users may feel like it's time to go back and get a new one and pass that one down to a to a, a friend or a loved one um, or, a, or a child in your family perhaps. Uh, and But like I said, I think a lot of the people buying these are going to be people who've never had an iPad before. 
Yeah, I would think if you were, and I don't even know if these people exist, but something like a hardcore gamer for an iPad. I talked to some of the developers who were at the uh, Apple demo, and most of them were really excited about having this extra horsepower, thinking of all the cool stuff they could do, particularly with that graphics chip. So I think if maybe you're that person, it makes sense to to jump up from an iPad too. Maybe, although, again, we'll see how it plays out with the games. My guess is that those games will have, you know, a, a an HD mode that'll work on this mm-hmm, iPad and right. then and then a lower resolution mode that'll work on the other iPads. And if that's the case, the frame rates may not be that different. Um the difference will be quality. And that and that's right, and that's right. the trick uh, again in saying is it faster? It's like, well, no. I mean, yes, but no, right? It's like yes, internally mm-hmm. it's faster, but what you get on the outside is not faster, you get better. And 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 that would probably be my bottom line about this iPad is no, it's not faster. It's better. And that was what Apple tried to do this time. The, the iPad 2 was faster than the original. This is not mm-hmm. about faster. It's really about better. Better, better camera, better, um, better display. And, and the only thing that's faster really is the networking is faster. But the, 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 you know, if you're playing a game, you're not going to say, wow, it's smoother. I think what you're going to say is, oh, my God, look at all of that, you know, all of that detail in the graphics. That's right. what they'll use that power for is to make it prettier. Yeah. Yeah, it's richer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we've been all over the new iPad, and we're going to continue to be, uh, not only with Jason's review, but other articles to come. So thanks very much for being here, Jason. I am happy to do it. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Jason Snell and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415 967 3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you around.